Hey folks, and welcome to Typology, the show in which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. My name is Anthony Skinner, producer of the show, and we have a spicy one for you today, folks. Ali Kazaza, she is a author and a businesswoman. She has built a massive audience and a multi-million dollar online business around her approach to minimalism. Really great interview today. She's been featured on the Today Show, Good Morning America, and New York Times. And she comes in hot, man. She, uh, she's she got a lot of good things to say. And uh, we have a super fun conversation. We're going to talk about her book that is coming out in September. It is called Declutter Like a Mother. You're going to love this interview. She is an eight with a seven wing. Uh, and just really strong with a lot of great things to say. So I'm glad you're here with us. Uh, that's it for me, Anthony Skinner. And without any further ado, here is the host of our show, Ian Cron. Ali Casaza, welcome to Typology. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I'm so excited. Yeah, Enneagram 8 and a person who is a student of the Enneagram. How did you learn about it? Uh, I... Actually, I don't remember. I feel okay. No, I do remember. So I have my own podcast and we get pitched a lot of different things. And I started getting pitched a bunch of people wanting to come on and talk about the Enneagram. And I felt like an idiot. Like, I don't know what this is. And I'm getting pitched like every week about this. And so I started to dive in and felt so seen and understood. Wow. It was actually really emotional for me being a woman and being an eight. And I was raised very religious. Hmm. So I always felt like I'm wrong. I don't belong. I'm too much. And so the Enneagram really, really helped me connect with myself at a really deep level and understand myself and my husband too. He's a two. Hmm. So we were always like, man, like, are we like broken. We're like opposite of gender stereotypes and we function that way together really well. But just, we were, we both were raised in a very religious school and we were lit, like literally guys, like they split up the boys and the girls. The girls were taught how to breastfeed and like meal prep no way. and the boys were taught how to balance checkbooks and start companies. And I am the one that started a company. Like I'm the <laughs> breadwinner. I like, I do, I do it all. And my husband is like very, like very like slow and steady and supportive and like just wants to be in the background, just wants to like be with his kids. Like he, we were just opposite. So the Enneagram is my favorite thing in the world because it really wow. helped me understand that I, I'm supposed to be this way. He and doesn't breastfeed, does he? Yeah. <laughs> what if he could? I feel that I feel strongly that if he could, he really would. That was the remark of the day, right there. He doesn't breastfeed. Unfortunately, he does not. Yeah, that could, that could save you a lot of time. Oh my gosh! Honestly, talk about delegating. Mm -hmm. All right, so you've written this book. It drops on uh, September 7th. It's on Thomas Nelson. It's it's titled Declutter Like a Mother, a guilt-free, no-stress way to transform your home and life. And there's a story in there. This is, uh, we had the minimalists on the podcast last week. And, okay. And so this is, a, again, a related topic on minimalism and decluttering your life and making space for the important things in your life. And one of the things that uh, I, I loved in the 
the story was that you had a moment where one night you like completely threw your kids were asleep <laughs> right and you just threw everything out right you just That's amazing including their toys yeah and i thought yeah. to myself this is the behavior of an eight who has had a sudden idea, made a big decision, and executed on it. <laughs> in the middle of the night. Yes, in the, in middle, the middle of the middle night. night. It's like the idea hits and it's like sleep or just do the damn thing. And it's always that one. <laughs> it's always do the damn thing. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, <laughs> so tell me, like, well, first of all, you I guess it sounds like you just hit a wall and you just were like, I am. I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. And you, yeah. you just went into do mode. And and so what, what was the wall? Like, like what happened? Well, for me, it was, it was like all these expectations on women, especially once you become a mom, mm -hmm. just the, the layers of pressure and, and that it's always going to be like this, like the message I was getting, I was so overwhelmed. I was absolutely depressed. I was waking up every day like I am full of dread and I don't have the energy that I need to do this day and mm. my feet haven't hit the floor yet. Mm. So this isn't going well. Like what is wrong with me? And the message I was getting as I was kind of like I started talking to women that were like ahead of me in life and trying to figure this out. And over and over again, they all basically said the same thing. And it was like, yeah oh yeah sweetie oh like that's motherhood and just wait till they're teenagers like but just also carpe all the dms because it goes by so fast like this this like messy message of soak it up and be like super good at it because it goes really fast and you're gonna screw them up if you're not really present but also it's an utter shit show all the time and there's no way to get out of the shit showness of the shit show so just like i don't know free for like it was it was like what is happening <laughs> like it just felt so hopeless and sad and like it it was all of the women i talked to being a mother was their whole identity. And they had all just kind of like decided that it is, this is the way it is. And it's a struggle. And then I kind of started to notice there's like this, I mean, like now I call it hot mess mom culture, where there's this like, there's this belief about motherhood that it is so hard and so much servitude. And it is, it for sure is. But it's we've all agreed that it sucks and it's really hard and it's going to be really hard for forever. And if any woman rises above that or like raises her vibration and gets out of that, she is now villainized. She's I don't know. Can I cuss on this show or what's the vibe? It's too late. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's yes. completely fine. This yes. show, this is this is a safe zone. Just the be yourself. Yes. yes. Okay, well, I was going to say, like, you can see this in real life and you can see it in media and movies and TV a, a ton. The woman that loves herself, honors herself, takes care of herself, she's always the villain in the movie. She's always painted as the bitch that everyone hates. And it's just this messaging of it's hopeless for you. Mm. You're a mom, so now you're just a mom. And I, so I was in that place. And I, of course, because I emanate, 
got to a point where I'm not going to submit to this anymore. I feel like everyone has subscribed to something that is not working for me. It's certainly not making me a very good person, least of all, a very good mother. So how can I unsubscribe from this? And what do I resubscribe to? What can I get myself into that is different, that is counter this and do this in a way where I want to start a business. Like I want to create jobs. I have all these ideas and no energy to do any of them. Like how can I not like have it all, but how can I do the things that are for me without being so exhausted all the time? And that was where the decluttering really came in. This was like nine years ago. So there wasn't like documentaries and books and I didn't know it was called anything. I, I just was like a desperate girl with an idea. And I, I just got rid of everything. I got rid of everything that night. I stayed up all night and just was like, I'm done. I'm done maintaining these things that we don't even need, that we don't even use, that we don't even like, that are just here in this oversized house, like overflowing with stuff and cleaning up after my life instead of living it. I, I just, I just had enough. Mm, wow. I'm almost inspired to go over to my house and start just throwing stuff out. Totally. Do it. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> All, right. All right. So, you know, it's interesting. We, you know, I'm a person who really believes in the power of story and narrative. And it sounds to me like in that up until nine years ago, you subscribed to a story that was handed to you, right? You come from this religious environment. I, I'm still sitting here oh stunned a little gosh, bit by the yeah. curriculum, you know, like, yeah. I mean, that sounds like you came from a crazy conservative fundamentalist. Is that, am I getting this right? Yeah. Yeah. It actually like, it's, it's really interesting for me because I went, I went to school there from second grade, like my whole entire life. And I didn't realize how messed up it was until I got out. Like it was, it was like a cult. Right. Wow. It was bad. And my, I met my husband. I, I always said, the last thing I'm going to do is marry some jokester from this school. <laughs> and here I am. <laughs> but you and found then, one who could nurse, so that made it okay. And, yeah, he like, he's like, he does everything. He breastfeeds. Like, what's not to love? He, he was like, we became friends at the tail end of it, in like senior year, and he was just like the best, the best human mm -hmm. alive. And it just, it worked out. And so now we can like, you know, process trauma together and raise kids together. That's cool. <laughs> it's good. You need somebody to do yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. For sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. So in uh, your transition, it sounds like from one story to another, right? It's like you rewrote the story. It's like, I am not going to live the script that someone else has handed me. Okay. In the transition, was there any kind of uncertainty or, oh gosh, is this, is this okay? Is this right? You know, like, it, you, tell me about that. Because it, it, it couldn't have been just a simple snip with the scissors from one old story to the new one. What, what was the synapse between the two stories like? Yeah, I was, I was so scared when I was making this transition. I was scared that I was even scared of asking for more and wanting more because I was told that is mm -hmm. wrong mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so I was already scared that I was like playing with fire or doing something I wasn't supposed to do, um, which is ugh, makes me so angry for my old, for my past self. But that's mm -hmm. where I was at. And 
I also was scared. Like I didn't know what I was doing or that it was called minimalism or there was no guidance. So I was like, am I screwing? Am I going to screw my kids up? Is this, is this like, we were also super broke at the time. So I was like, am I getting rid of stuff that we're going to need again and getting us into like a corner that we can't get out of? I was definitely scared, but I think for me, and I know, I know it's an eight thing too. And what is it called? Like the treat, the triad of like the gut, the head and the heart. The anger situation. Triad. Yeah. Yeah. I know like I'm gut, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I thought, um, when I get that knowing that's it, mm. like fear kind of takes a backseat, which I think is in business and in life, my biggest power. Mm. And it just did. I just was like, I, I just know I don't know why or or how this is going to work, but I just know if I can get rid of everything that's holding me back, I might actually be able to be the mom that sits down and like hangs out with her kids and gets to know them and lives a different way and isn't just running and like bottlenecking through every day. Like everyone else that I know, everyone at the park, everyone at mommy group or all those things that I did at the time because I was still like trying to make mom friends. Now I don't really do that. (laughs) But... Uh, <laughs> like uh, just everyone had subscribed to the same thing. And so I think I, I was terrified. I was very afraid. I was afraid of what will this do to my kids? Like, or we're going to live like so simply, are they going to be like, are they going to be upset? Are they going to be freaks? I don't know. But like, I'm just, I'm just going to try it. And actually the first thing I did was the toys only because it was so overwhelming. Like I had toddlers and babies and they had a giant room full of bins overflowing with stuff. They don't know what's going on. They don't need all of that. They would go in there and dump everything out and come out two seconds later saying they were bored. Like they were overstimulated for sure. And so I just, I attacked that like first and got it all out. And I really just was like, what kind of childhood do I want them to have? Mm. I don't think we really think to ask those kinds of questions. I want them to be outside and have an old school childhood and know what it is to be bored and, and connect with themselves and, and have developed imaginations. And I want good things for them. Not all of this, these plastic toys that are making noise and doing all the imagining for mm. them. And so just even asking myself that question and kind of like aligning our environment with what I wanted for them. That was a big step. And that felt really good. And right away, the kids started playing together for long stretches of time. They started getting along better, less like the little you know sibling rivalry stuff. It was just like they had space and they weren't so overstimulated. Mm. So right away, it was it was a good move. And it just kept being good as I continued going through our house. And like and then like my life and my calendar and, and everything was affected from this idea that, I mean, as cliche as it is, less is more. Mm. So when you think about the eight and the first time you read about it, what was it about the eight that disturbed you? And maybe even continues to dog you, you know, and prevent yeah. you from being the highest expression of yourself. That's such a good question. It's the, it's, it is literally the most near impossible thing for me to not say exactly what I think. Mm-hmm. And it sucks because I'll say something, like I'll say something to my husband and it just is obvious. I know everyone else is thinking it. It's right in front. Like it's, Right. Obviously, you know this. And I say it and he looks so hurt. Yep. And I'm 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 just feel like I'm constantly like, damn it, I did it again. <laughs> like, it's just it's that 
that drive for truth, Mm. that drive to just get like cut through to the point that makes it sometimes difficult for me to have a conversation where the other person feels really heard and valued. And I'm not just like, this is obvious and you're an idiot for not getting to the point. Let's let me just do it again. Do you you finish the sentences? Uh, Yeah, because he talks so slow. It's not my fault. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. We're talking quintessential eight material here. Yeah, that's right. You know, I have uh, um, an acronym that I sometimes give myself, which is it's WAIT, W-A-I-T, which is Mm. it stands for why am I talking? And, you know, sometimes when you get going on a roll and you start finding yourself like not Mm -hmm. able to stop, it's like, just go wait wait which is the why am i talking it's like i just i can't stop like stuff's coming out of my mouth that probably isn't very helpful for people and i think eights probably more than other numbers could probably practice wait that's old, good what am I'm i talking that. yeah you can just put it up on a little card somewhere put it on a piece of paper and carry it around until you like develop the discipline of shutting up <laughs> yeah. That's what, honestly yeah it's 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 so true. It's such it's such a and I think also growing up as an eight and I don't know, I don't I'm curious what the experience is for a male eight. But as a female eight, it was always the story was always your way too much, mm-hmm. like way. And so when I get into those conversations and I find myself doing that to Brian or a friend or whoever, it kind of brings that back up and then sends me internally careening into the despair of like, I am way too much. See, like shame mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. like use getting a tool in my tool belt to help me be a healthy version of myself and mm-hmm. not, not in that cycle. Yeah. All right. I want to go back to this religious upbringing for a second. What would your, mm-hmm. your, your high school principal or whoever it was that knew you and like, you know, how many kids were in this school? It was pretty small. Like my graduating class was like 50. Okay. Well, that's because not, not a lot of people were crazy enough to send their kids there. <laughs> okay. I think you're right. <laughs> so how would they have described you? Because it sounds like you didn't just become a firebrand when you decided to, to clutter your house and move into this new world. Like, did you feel squelched or bad about who you were? And like, I've got to put myself into a different box. I mean, like, or did you be like, nah, screw it. I'm just going to be who I am. And you scared the bejesus out of everybody in your school. No, I was incredibly compliant. I, wow. I actually, I believe, I fully believe that. So I, when I grew up and I started having kids, I started developing like crazy health issues mm-hmm. and they were all like in the feminine of my body. I know, I know that because I had suppressed myself and oppressed myself from all the teaching and all the stuff for so long. And I was struggling so much to keep doing that. I was like this fire in me, like wanted to come out. I wanted to do so many things. Um, And my husband was like supporting me, but I wasn't letting myself. I just kept suppressing. I know I made myself sick. It was like Mm. being taught the rejection of the feminine. Like it was patriarchy and, and it was, it was thick and heavy and really, really bad. And so I was like the good girl. My Mm. nickname in high school was bubble girl because everyone joked that I lived in a bubble and like never did anything or tried anything. Like I was, I just wanted to be good and quiet and out of the way because I was told that I was so much. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's just so amazing. Like the, like here's a phrase that people have heard me use before, but it's so helpful. It's like the Enneagram, um, <clears throat> how much this? helps you reclaim the person you were before the world told you who you were supposed to be. Mm -hmm. That's, that's so accurate and beautiful. Yeah. That's exactly, that's exactly what happened. And it was like, it was like, after I had my third, so I was a mom of three before I really like, I really left, let all that go. And I think too, what's interesting is I was still an eight though. So it would come out other ways and it was aggression and anger and uh like resentment and just hurting people close to me. I had like that fire has to come out somewhere. Mm -hmm. You can't just, it doesn't just go away. And so it was coming out in unhealthy ways. And then also I would take ideas, like I would take um, feminism and strong women and I would slam it down and like push against it and, and show everyone like what a good Christian girl I was. I'm going to use my fire to slam these, these negative things that it was like brainwashed. Like it was not, I don't even know if that makes sense, but it mm -hmm. just wasn't yeah, who totally. I was at all, mm -hmm. at all. And so it, that's the thing is it all has to come out somewhere. And if you suppress too much, I believe you make yourself sick mm -hmm. and it will, it will leak out into really unhealthy, toxic ways. Mm -hmm. So you gotta, you gotta figure it out. You gotta figure out who you are and, and accepting yourself that you're supposed to be this way and that even your flaws, you can, you can use those. You can do something with it. You're not a victim to your number. It's a strength. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I love what you said. It absolutely, it absolutely is finding who you really are before all the trauma made you feel like it wasn't good enough. So what was the trauma for you? Like, how would you characterize the trauma that characterized the first story of your mm -hmm. life? Uh, literally being told, like, I remember, okay, so I'll use an example. And this is one out of like thousands. Uh, I remember being in Bible class and there was like a report or something we were supposed to do with like what we wanted to do with our lives. And I, you we were supposed to draw pictures and then like, like or paint pictures and then write it, write a report as well. And so I drew two pictures cause I couldn't pick cause I had so much in me. Um, one of them was like me with a company and like a bunch of employees. I didn't know what it would be, but I just, I wanted to be the boss obviously. I mean, come on. <laughs> and the other one was me with a company behind me and a bunch of kids. And all the kids were like different races because I wanted to adopt. And being uh, an, there was being no, an there was <laughs> being yeah. an eight, right? <laughs> being right. eight, doing it all. And um, there was, I wrote a report on like, I want to be the boss. I want to have people that work for me and I'm going to be the best boss. I want to like know what they need and like give them what they need and be the best company. I'm going to win all the awards for being the best company, like all of these things. And then I want to adopt and all this stuff. And I never mentioned getting married at all in the, in the thing. And the, uh, that was the only thing my teacher pulled out. I got a D minus. What? And no. how do you quick quick question? How do you get a D minus on your own dreams? Wow. Oh my gosh. I got they graded it and they she pointed out there is no man here. And you are not studying the Bible enough oh because you're supposed to do it this way. Like it would just was like 
you can't be a person if you're a woman. You can only be somebody's wife and somebody's mother. And anything outside of that, you are so selfish. You should rot in hell. That was the message I got my whole life. So to be an eight and be like this fireball of a, of a girl like growing up and wanting to like do so much. This is not the message that I got at home at all, which is interesting because the message from school is what I remember mm. about my childhood. So it's, it just goes to show like where we, our kids spend time. Oh matters. yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah, it was, it was stuff like that. And just um like being like when I was growing up, my, like your body was so objectified the dress codes, the write-ups, like um, I would have teachers, men, pull me into the dress code violation room and like talk about my body and how it was dressed and what it was, what thoughts it was causing them in detail. And they would write me a note and I'd get sent home and and have to come back dressed. You know what's so funny is they should have been sent home. Yeah, really. (laughs) They should have been sent to jail. They should have been sent to jail. Oh my God. All right, so you leave... You've clearly left this world, right? Uh, this yeah. religious world, and mm-hmm. this, and so now you got a new story. And I'm just curious about your your spirituality today. You know, mm-hmm. like, and how it's affected relationships. Like, what did your parents do when you moved into this new, reclaiming your identity as a woman eight? And like, did they freak? Did they support it? Was it like, no, we're going to throw you out of the religious? You know what I mean? Like, what happened? Well, it's so crazy that I even went to that school and that I had those experiences. Like as a kid, I'm at school. My parents sent me there. I was talked to a lot about what a gift it was to go to that school because it was very expensive and very private. And I didn't want to ruffle feathers, right? Like I want to be the good girl. I want to be quiet and just not be in the way. So I never really thought there was anything to even bring home to my parents to tell them. Mm. I didn't know that was bad. I didn't know I was being traumatized. How would I know? Mm -hmm. And so when I talk to my parents about some of these things, they're like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) You mean like they had no idea this was happening? I know they knew. I mean, my parents, I was raised Christian, but this was like, this was not the home that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. It was just the school I went to. So they're like pretty shocked and didn't know. And, and always like, why didn't you tell us? Like, I didn't, I didn't know this was where you sent me. So I don't, I didn't know. But now like my parents are still Christian and I'm, I'm not, I, I left, I left all of that after I went like head first into, okay. Like, is there even a God? What? And if so, like, what's his vibe? What's going on? Who, what, who am I? What is everything? And I launched into like a four year dive in, in like, not, it's not like I sat there studying books every day, but like I spent a solid three or four years just figuring out for myself, Mm -hmm. which was very empowering and very terrifying at the same time, like what I believe. And I've just landed on such a different and such a different space. And also I started my career. My, my business is from my blog. So publicly I went from like modern feminism is killing marriages and like Christian, Christian, Christian to today. So doing that in front of people that are judging you and telling you exactly what they think is horrible. It's horrible. Did you care very much what they thought? 
I, I did in the beginning because I didn't feel like I had a solid footing. So mm -hmm. I feel like I wasn't like sharing all of this. Like with this kind of stuff, I'm pretty private. I'm here to help people live lighter lives. I don't really need to talk about all of these right. inner workings with them. Right. But you could just tell. Like you can, what you believe comes out of you, especially mm -hmm. if you're talking about lifestyle, which I am. So they could just tell and I would get uh, comments on my podcast like, well, this used to be a really great show, but now she's a devil worshiper. So, and I'd literally be talking about like simplicity. I get that. I, <laughs> I get that periodically. With people who think Enneagram and Pentagram are the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, those people are so precious. Love them. <laughs> <laughs> so precious. Precious. Well, so you know, it sounds like you went through a season of what some people call deconstruction, right? You're you're kind of yes. like moving into a space of where it's like I. And it's what Carl Jung would call individuation, right? Which is this mm -hmm. separating yourself from the values of your upbringing. And you can return to them if you choose or if they really belong to you. You know what I mean? If they really are for you. But in many instances, we have to leave home, right? Like, like home is a place you leave. And, and so you yeah. have to find your own voice and space in the world. And if you have parents who can support you on that journey uh, and not judge you or try to hold you back, you know, which can happen, which is why I asked you, you know. And, and the other reason I asked about your family was I wanted to hear, and we've already heard it, um, you know, eights have a need to go up against something. They're always pushing and usually against authority. Like they're pushing on authority. And we, the phrase that's used often with eights is they have a lot of oppositional energy. It's like mm -hmm. they're just in opposition mode a lot, right? And they get, and what's yeah. weird is like for me, oppositional energy can be a little draining. For you, it's like, it's like it gives you energy, right? When you're, yeah. when you're pushing against something, right? And um, it sounds like you would make a great advocate for uh, women and men who are going through that season of deconstruction and trying to find out, well, what do, what do I believe? You know, I was handed some beliefs. Maybe some were good. Maybe some weren't. Which ones am I going to keep? Which things am I going to throw out? What's the new life going to look like? You know, because otherwise, if people don't go through that journey, they will go through life in a story that might not be their own. Yeah. And that, and isn't that the most terrifying thing? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that is where I felt like I was. I was literally like to try to be good and try to perform and make sure everyone was, was happy and approving of me because that's what I was told. That was like the, it was life or death. If you're not getting approval, like it, I, I might get rejected. I might die. Like that's how it felt. And so getting out of that and really even just asking, I remember telling my husband, like, just so you know, I'm on a journey and I believe a lot of things now that I've never believed before. And I don't know if this is like going to be a problem for us, but I just, I need you to know that I'm going through this. And he was like, thank God, same. And we just like started doing this together. And I think if it wasn't it would have been harder without that support. And I think about people that are stuck in old ways that got married under a certain belief system and then start to 
unravel it and are not supported and feel like they are literally, you could literally lose everything that you've built so far by changing the core of what you believe and what you know and who you are. And it's scary, but I, I feel like I want to encourage anyone listening that's in that point, do it though, because the worst thing, like self-betrayal and self-suppression is cancer mm-hmm. in your bones. It is so you cannot live. You're not really living. And what is to be found on the other side of asking those questions? What is to be found by pushing against that authority and, and going deeper and figuring it out for yourself so you know? Like, I know that I am raising my kids in so much love and with so much hope. Mm. And even though it's different than I was raised, it's not scary anymore because I know now. But if I hadn't kept pushing, I wouldn't know. I'd be like feeling like I'm safe, but I'd be making myself sick, literally, mm-hmm. because I I was so afraid of what I mm. of what I was feeling and what I wanted to go find out. Mm. Wow, you're an empowerer. I love that. Yeah. Sounds like are you a do you know if you're a social eight? Do you know your subtype? Um like the wing, I'm no, an eight wing seven. seven. Yeah, that one I got. Um, <laughs> okay. But the okay, so maybe sometime we'll have you on. We'll talk about subtypes. Okay, yeah, I've seen that, yeah. but I haven't dove in. I don't, I don't understand. Okay, it. we won't go into it today, but you sound like one particular subtype, and and uh, that would when you learn your subtype, it'll give you an added level of clarity about okay. what kind of eight you are. Okay. Right. Okay. Cool. So right now, you know, your core type and your wing, your wing is a kind of subtype because it now separates you from the eight with a nine. When you get to the other, when you get to the second level of subtype, right, which has to do with instincts, then you get even more clarity, right? Okay. So now you got a team, you got this online multi-million dollar business, you're kicking ass. I'm going to say kicking ass today because she said shit and bitch three times. And <laughs> yeah. so I feel like sorry, I'm okay. She, and she also dropped the F-bomb <laughs> right. half. <laughs> she went what the fuck she didn't go all i the trailed way. it off for you did, thank yeah. you so much thanks to your sense your, your your media sensitivity that's fantastic all right so um you've got this big business you got a team how are you using the enneagram with your team mm, so i that's like the main the main thing i use to hire mm, interesting and i will say no one has ever left my team except for the one person that I had to let go for dishonesty. Hmm. Everyone else has stayed from like day one. And I know it's because, well, I didn't know three of the core ones that were before I even knew what the Enneagram was, but we've, my team grew the most in the last like two years. And Mm -hmm. I definitely knew what the Enneagram was and was using it in my own life. And, um, I kind of go over like the role that I need and what where's the gap that I need filled by someone else mm-hmm. and what would the best the best um situation be like for example the girl that helps me with Instagram I just knew like I needed her to be a 2 I knew I you were going to say someone, that I knew she was yeah, going to say that because uh-huh. you got to you got to fully 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 not want to be in the spotlight. Mm. Otherwise it could get weird. I had like some jealousy stuff with the girl that I had to let go before because she really wanted to do what I'm doing, but was working side hustle until she could get there. And that was a mistake. It got Mm. dicey because she just was so subconsciously like resentful of me. Mm -hmm. So I needed someone that like their worst nightmares to be in the spotlight. 
and they just want to support and they believe in the message and they have so much heart. And my husband's a two. So I knew that that was the type I wanted for that job. So using it in ways like that, um, Amy on my team is a five and she is handling so much. She's got to be like very logical. Uh, she handles a lot of like data. She's literally, it feels like she's my opposite and I, I need that. So looking at what the job is, what would their day-to-day task be? And then I go and I study the different types and I kind of, I'll make like, okay, I think best case scenario is this person needs to be a two, but they could also, you know, I kind of go through it and then I start doing interviews and, and I, I have people take the test if they haven't taken it, but most people know what their number is. Hmm. Now, the other person you could have picked for that first role would have been a nine. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the, because there is one version of two that actually likes to be in the spotlight. Really? Oh, yeah. Yep. Social, oh, it's called a social okay. two. And, um, but there is another two that I think you're talking about that likes to be what's called the power behind the throne. So, like, that person doesn't need to be in charge, but in a weird way, they kind of are in charge <laughs> because, they ma- yeah. because they manage the boss. Exactly. Right? Okay, so that is definitely my husband then. And definitely Danielle, that my Instagram girl, she's amazing. She's like, so she just takes it from me completely and just runs it so well and is so Mm. invested, but doesn't want to actually be the face on the camera, which is perfect. Okay. So, uh, I know she's your social media person, but do do people sometimes come to her when they, uh, are having issues with you and she says, okay, I'll talk to her. Uh, that would be Haley. And what number is Haley? So maybe you can help me with this. Haley was one of my first hires. So I didn't do the Enneagram thing back then, but we've taken it several times and she doesn't get, she doesn't get like a number. She gets like a fraction. She gets a fraction. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know what she is, but she, what you just said, that's how she is. She's like the one people go to. And then she'll be like, She's like the smoother over and she can deliver the worst news of all time and make it feel like you're getting a birthday cake. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Is she high energy? Mm, she's not like, I mean, she can like go all day and work, 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 when I like burn out super quickly, but she's not like hyper as a personality. Okay. Huh. I know. We could help. She's, we my, could help she's my mystery. We could help. Yeah. Have her take my IEQ nine. That's a really, okay. that's a good test. Um, and it, okay. it, it is very comprehensive. And then, um, but a lot of twos, man, they don't want to be the person on the throne. They want to be, because, you know, it's like the old uh, adage, you know, like they used to say in the military that, you know, generals don't win, they don't run wars, sergeants do. And mm-hmm. so it's like, you know, they know how to deliver news to the boss in a way they can say, you know, we got some people who aren't feeling great about what you're doing over here. And they can just do it in a way that the, like an eight boss can hear and go, Oh, but because there's, I don't know, they just have that gift where they're so emotionally attuned to Mm. the other people. And, and, uh, but they, it's like, you know, like when you're, um, School secretary. Everyone thought that the principal ran the school. Nope. It was the school secretary. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I think like, I think what's 
what the point is uh, for me being an eight is I just know I need to be supported. Mm. And the Enneagram is a tool that I can use to make sure that I uh, am supported because I don't want to be controlling and doing everything. Mm -hmm. I just want to do the parts that I enjoy. And I want to, I want to show up in the way that only I can show up. And I don't want all the other stuff in my way. Mm -hmm. So I want to give it away. I want to delegate, but it's just got to be the right people. Otherwise you've got too many people coming and going and it just feels like a waste of time. Right. Right. So this book, Declutter Like a Mother, a guilt-free, no-stress way to transform your home and life, drops on September 7th on Thomas Nelson. You could probably pre-order it right now. Am I correct? Yes, you can, wherever books are sold. Well, you go on Amazon, just pre-order it right now so we can get that book onto a list. And then um, tell me, would this book at all be helpful to men? So there's quite a few dads in my community because everyone, okay, so... It's AliCasaza.com. Like, it's me. It's my face. It's my voice. But everyone loves my husband, Brian, like more than me. (laughs) (laughs) They love him. Like, every podcast episode that he's on with me, it it always has the highest downloads, like, by far. He's just, like, so easy to get along with and so lovable. Everybody loves him. So there's a lot of guys in the community that like want to hear from him and really vibe with him and his part of the message, but also like learn from me and change their lives because they're getting all the crap out of their way and living, living lighter. So it works for everyone, but I am personally passionate about doing that for moms because I just think that they're so burdened, you know? Are you in therapy right now? Always. (laughs) <laughs> I love don't you love apes love they don't therapy. they don't even they don't even like pause yeah. right? they just go oh yeah I'm in therapy okay oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, every week all right so what's the big issue that you're working on right now oh I love that question um well person like right now like right this second yeah like transition what, what, like, okay what does that mean yeah like okay so I just moved from San Diego across the country to South Carolina the biggest issue that I have is I California is my home. Like I grew up there. I love it there. But for me, the cons are now outweighing the pros. And that's never happened before. Right. Taxes but it just, and fires it just, and yeah, homelessness. Like, I'm, and, oh, I like look at I've got four kids. I want to adopt another one. Like I want to focus on expansion and growing. And every time I get ahead, I have to pay it to taxes. And I just, I don't know, I'm just not feeling it. And I have a lot of grief around the fact that that's my home. And I feel like I, I know I didn't have to leave and anything is possible. Like you, you want to pay for it, pay for it. You get what you pay for. But I just was no longer willing. Mm -hmm. So when we'll be there a lot, like we love traveling. We travel with the kids all the time. Like we'll, we'll be, we'll stay at Airbnbs like all summer and we'll do things like that. It'll be fine. All right, let's go back to therapy. (laughs) Yes. So you're working on transitions. Big. De- that's a big thing. Um, it is. Yeah. But let's drill down a little bit deeper. Okay. Sure. Because here's the deal. In my experience, a lot of times people go through unconsciously these decluttering times because there's a lot on the inside and they're, they're doing all this stuff on the outside as a metaphor for the work they need to do on the inside. The decluttering, Absolutely. you know, uh, of the heart of the you know, of life. Mm -hmm. So as you did all this decluttering stuff, did you find that some 
it creates space. It creates mental space, heart space. You know, when the outside world gets simpler, it creates more space. And what can come up is a lot of joy and positive stuff, but also a lot of pain can come up that you hadn't, that was always there, but you had to clear the palate or the space for it to have room. I'm just curious if like in therapy, have you seen, maybe it was nine years ago, but did some stuff come up after you decluttered that was like, whoa, didn't expect yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, it can be very obvious. Like uh, an obvious example for me was, uh, so after I had my firstborn, uh, my daughter, I had severe postpartum depression mm -hmm. to the, to the extent where I have no memories. It was, it's a black hole until her first birthday. Wow. So when I see photos of myself at that time, it's wow. very strange and scary mm. because I don't remember being there. And literally like my eyes are like hollow. Like it's really disturbing. Wow. Uh, and that was like stolen from me. Like, I don't remember her, you know? So when I was decluttering, I would find something like her, her dress that she was dedicated in or something like that. And it would, it would just come up. And mm. at the time mm. I didn't have any tools for processing emotions. Like it was just, just like pray about it and good mm. luck was pretty much it. And so I just didn't know what to do with all of that. And it's it. So it can be like very, very obvious what the connection is. And it can also be very not obvious. Like I had a woman once that we were decluttering her, her home together when I used to do in-person stuff. And, um, she got rid of a lot of sentimental things, stuff that I was like, oh, she's going to struggle with this. And she flew right through it. But then there was this one like random item. It was like, a stress ball you know those ones mm, yeah and she freaked out and started crying and wouldn't talk to me and was just like uncontrollable sobbing it was very overwhelming and it come to find out that was uh, uh her dad used to use a stress ball to try not to like freak out and abuse her and her mother Aww. and he would eventually give up and like throw it and just like beat them and he was very violent oh and so gosh. she just was like triggered and she couldn't remember that because she was so little and then he died it took her telling her mom the story of the stress ball that her mom was like oh my god you were so little how could you remember that this is what used to happen so it was like your subcon like your subconscious is involved in decluttering emotions come up when you're decluttering memories good and bad like you have to deal with your shit when you're decluttering mm. and that is why it is a spiritual experience it's self-care mm -hmm. it's like you're not just making space so you can clean less that happens and it's nice but it's like you're moving it's almost like you're clearing out stagnant energy from mm. past versions of yourself mm. and that is that'll exhaust you it's mm. a lot wow wow That's i'm inspired man. yeah same i'm ready to go read this book <laughs> same do it yeah <laughs> of course i can't afford we we just bought a house and we've ordered all this furniture and because of the supply lines are so bad i have an empty house i'm not gonna we, we just ordered a couch and they went that'll be March. <laughs> yeah, same. I'm same with my house. And I'm like, well, it's, it's stressful for me because my job is my house. Like we've got mm. photos for the next book coming and magazine shoots and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, uh, there's like one couch. I know. So is there any way that we could push this? You're going to have to get like, get some, some realtor to come in and do some staging. <laughs> 
Yeah, right. honestly, it's everything is so backward. Yeah, God. and then when they do that, it, your 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 house looks like a room at the Hilton Garden Inn. Right, right. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm like, here I am trying to tell people like, who cares about minimalism and stereotypes? Like, let your house be you, make it whatever you want. And I'm gonna end up doing all these photos with <laughs> like hotel furniture that has no personality, plastic plants. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really bad paintings on the wall. Oh yeah, yeah. Modern Honestly. art. Hey, Allie, this has been so great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to encourage everybody to uh, get Allie's book. Uh, this is uh, going to be really, really helpful for you. Really, really exciting. It is Declutter Like a Mother, a guilt-free, no-stress way to transform your home and life. This is a powerhouse of energy here, this woman. And and uh, your website, A-L-L-I-E-C-A-S-A-Z-Z-A.com. Instagram at Allie, A-L-L-I-E underscore, right? Yep. Underscore. Uh, that's me. I like that. Mm -hmm. And then the Facebook group, Purposeful Mamas. Allie, thank you so, so much. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. It's great to be with you. And typology, friends, remember these words. May you have love. May you have joy. May you have peace. May you have healing. May you have rest. Until next time. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B &B with an ocean view. An endless field of wildflowers or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.